This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom software for budgeting and planning by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm very excited to be joined today by Carolyn Head, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at Lewis University in Illinois. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, to get us started today, this is the first question I ask everyone on this podcast. I was hoping you could share with us how you came to higher ed as a profession. Sure. Um, I'm actually very fortunate. It kind of stumbled on it. I originally started out in um, healthcare, um, a nonprofit, which was the practicing part for the physicians connected with an academic health science center. And so I was on the practice side. Um, And so in working a number of years on the practice side, an opportunity became available on the academic side at the Health Science Center, the College of Medicine. Um, And so I moved into that position. And that's how I ended up in academics and higher higher ed. Um, I loved it immediately. Um, And actually, when I came over to just here academics, leaving a college of medicine, I was a little concerned because I enjoyed healthcare so much. It was so complex, always changing. But even in being in a peer academic setting outside of a college of medicine, um, higher ed is just, I I view it as my calling. I I really do. And I, I love it. I mean, I love the students and being able to recognize exactly what you do, how it connects to the success of our students. Um, And that is quite fulfilling. So that's kind of the path that I took to get to higher ed. And then did you start out with an accounting degree? Is that kind of where you got started? Yes, yes. I have an accounting degree. Um, I'm also a CPA. Um, So um, I already had my license. Um, I had... uh, worked as a staff accountant actually originally on the practice side that's that was my entry level position and worked my way up um and so uh from literally a staff accountant i worked my way up to a director of operations where i actually oversaw the clinics of ophthalmology otolaryngology radiation oncology um so I got extremely involved in operations from that point. And so it was, it was an interesting move to move from just a pure accounting position um, in terms of uh, the corporate accounting office and moving into operations to get that side of, of, of the program. Um, 
what helped me in that transition was actually having my MBA. I also have an MBA. That's great. And how long were you in on the practice side before you moved over to the academic side? Oh, gosh. Um, I was on the practice side probably about six or seven years before I moved over to the academic side. That's interesting. I haven't talked to many people who have a background in healthcare and then moved over to uh, to become a, on the CBO track. So that's, that's yeah. very interesting. It's um, I'm sure there's lots of parallels. Was there anything you obviously loved it? You're still here. Um, but was yeah. there anything was there anything that was particularly challenging or that you wish you knew about higher ed? Um, before you made that transition from healthcare? I I think the piece that I was missing was, um, especially in terms of humanities and um, the other areas of the academic portfolio that you don't see in a college of medicine, per se. And so um, those are the things that I had to really learn more about in terms of the programs and um, the curriculum, how it fits into a student's um, academic track, um, whether they're still in health sciences. So the whole undergraduate part of it was was new for me. Um, but I have to say it wasn't a huge learning curve in that sense. Um, but But it was new for me. Let's talk a little bit about your current role at Lewis. What would you say is most exciting about your job today, Carolyn? Um, I think it's the changes. You know, higher ed is going through um, some significant changes um, and some not necessarily for the good. It's very challenging with the changing demographics and especially in being in the Midwest, the projection and actually we see it today, declining enrollment. Um, And so I think those challenges are very exciting. For Lewis, we've taken that on um, headfirst in in determining what can we do to offset some of the decline in those traditional undergraduate programs. And we focused on graduate education and the health science professionals. And so that speaks well for me because it's it's getting back into the healthcare health sciences area which I'm able to contribute I feel quite a bit to um, administration in terms of of accreditation and getting those those programs up and running um, but that's what I think is the most exciting is facing these challenges head-on being innovative and getting ahead of it um, to really drive some changes in what our bottom line will be in the future. Well, to your point, there there are lots of challenges in in the higher ed landscape today, and innovation is such a critical piece of having a strategy. Is there anywhere that you tend to look for pockets of innovation, for inspiration about how you can um, ensure that Lewis remains competitive? I, I tell you, a lot of that comes from our president. We we have an extremely progressive, innovating, thinking president. And I think that um, defines itself and shows itself in the push toward health sciences, which traditionally Lewis has had a very strong nursing program, but we've never really ventured out into the other areas of the healthcare professions. And so I think in doing that, um, it is very innovative in reinventing um, what we do well and expanding it. Um, and so I think that's that's a big key. Um, it's, it's hard to start something from scratch that you know nothing about. 
But when you're able to tap into something that you already have experience in and branch out in innovative ways in, in looking at areas of healthcare that need additional um, staffing, um, it's, it's, it's just huge. And that's an area that's, that's really understaffed. Um, you know, we look at primary, the shortage in primary care physicians. So there is a huge demand for what we call physician extenders, um, those healthcare professions that can extend um, the productivity of a physician. And so you see that in your nurse practitioners, your physician assistance programs. Um, so you're, you're starting to see a lot of that. And that's pushing that demand. And I think for us to reach out in that area is quite innovative. Carolyn, what are you doing now in your career that you never imagined you'd be doing 10 or even 20 years ago? Ah, <laughs> that's interesting that you would ask this at this time. Um, part of something that we've taken on that I, I should have mentioned is very exciting is um, a campus master plan. And what we're really doing is we've had a campus master plan, but it's kind of built on what exists today and moving forward, I think um, this new campus master plan really has to have the vision of our future and the changes that that involves and what are the space needs that that involves. And so we do have a particular development that we're interested in moving forward on. So one of the things that I'm working with are developers on um, looking at a particular area that's just outside of the campus to expand, kind of connect the campus and expand the, the campus to another main, um, a, a second entrance, a main entrance from another main um, highway. And so, you know, I, I never thought that I would be in that much detail in terms of uh, a, a construction project or developing that type of project, really. Um, I've done it in the past. I've, of course, I've worked with architects and contractors in, in, in building um, buildings. But to, to really be on the ground and in the weeds of that early planning and what exactly do we need um, I think is 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 one of the one of the things that I never really thought I'd see myself doing to to this extent. But it's exciting. Carolyn, can you think of an example as you look back over your career as a CBO? Can you think of an example of something you might have done a little bit differently in hindsight? Hmm. I've been very fortunate. I, I have to admit, I took an extended break in my career, which probably prolonged um, the path to being a CBO. Um, when my son was born, I took off several years. And so that probably was a setback, but I don't regret it. I wouldn't have done anything different. Um, but that was a little bit of a setback in terms of the career and getting getting back on, on, on track. I guess the other thing would be maybe to spend some time in public practice. That's something that I never did. Um, I was always in a corporate environment and really didn't spend time in public accounting. I think probably if I had spent a couple of years in public accounting early on, it may have um, it, it may have given me a different insight early on when I was in that corporate accounting area. Um, I have gained that experience simply from working with auditors for multiple years. <laughs> um, 
decades, actually. Um, so I, I, I think I've, I've, I've compensated for that, but that's, that's probably a piece that probably would have helped early on. Carolyn, can you think of anybody that served as a professional mentor to you over your career? And um, I'm hoping you you have. And if if you have, can can you share a little bit about what you feel that you've learned from him or her? Oh yes, um, I always refer to um, the the controller that ended up being the vice president um, at the practice group that I worked with. It was a woman. And that was, gosh, probably, you know, 20 plus years ago. And, you know, you don't, back then, you really didn't see very many women in that type of role. I mean, she was a really powerful person. Um, She was, but yet she was a, a mother and a wife. And you could have conversations about family and work life and balance. Um, and she seemed to master it all. Um, and so I think, I think in working with her, it made all things possible. Um, and I, I would definitely say she, she would be my number one mentor in terms of my career. What have you tried to emulate that you learned from her or watched her do? Um, to, (laughs) I, I, this probably sounds a little sexist, but it's true, but it's keep emotions in check. You know, um, I think that's part of it. You know, often you're sitting in a room and you're the only female in the room or at the table that used to happen a lot and it still does happen. Um, and I think that one thing I learned from her is to be overprepared um, and keep emotions in check always um, present on a factual basis, not emotional. Um, I think being at a faith-based institution, we have a little more leeway in terms of what is just, um, but it still doesn't have to be emotional in that sense. And so I, I think the one thing that I've learned that I've really learned from her is to over-prepare and always be factual and know your materials, understand what the challenges that you have are, um, and and keep those emotions down. When it comes to supporting other CBOs or upcoming CBOs as a mentor, is that something that you try to do for others as well? I, I do. I've, I've worked with um, Nakubo on the on the alumni for new CBOs. Um, right after I became a CBO, I came back and, and, and participated in that, that, that program. Um, and I would probably like to do more of that, to be honest. I think it's, it's important. Again, you don't see very many women. You don't see very many minority women in this role. And so if there's a way that I can help facilitate that diversity, um, I would be more than willing to do so. When you look at the next generation of upcoming or potential CBOs, what do you see? Ah, uh-huh. that's interesting. Um, so what I see is a much more data-driven type of management. Um, and I think we see that change with so many retiring of, of, a, of an, another generation in terms of CBOs and, and, and my generation coming in. 
Um, I think we we've absorbed a little bit of that. We're much more tech savvy. Um, we recognize what the data is presenting, but it's more than just the financial data. It's the data about the industry. It's the data about what our students are successful in, areas in which they aren't successful in, areas that need prevention or early intervention, excuse me, um, and things that need to be funded. So, so they, they directly tie back to finance, but it's much more, I think, holistic. Um, and so I think the next group of CBOs will recognize that, but I think they're much more analytical and data-driven, um, even more so than my current group. And I, I think with us, we challenge, we're challenged with managing all the data that's coming in from all of these various softwares and making it, turning it into useful information. And so I think, I think the upcoming CBOs will be um, much more um, competent in that particular area. <laughs> what would you say, as you look at the higher ed field in general, what would you say is the biggest opportunity that faces CBOs today? I think adult education. You know, that's one of the areas that is is really growing. And I think if we can think of innovative ways to attract um, that particular population, it would really be good and profitable for our institutions. Um, that is an area in which the the country really needs in terms of retraining and additional education in areas um, that maybe people already are in, but maybe taking it to the next step. And so I think that's one of the huge opportunities for the future is really looking at that non-traditional student. Carolyn, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that I've neglected to ask today? Um, I, I just think it's important for CBOs to embrace our campuses as a whole and not just be driven by financial data. Um, really being part of a team with our provost and our president, our, in, our um, enrollment managers. Um, I think it's much more of a team approach than it used to be. And I think we should embrace that. Um, I think it is in the best interest of our institutions. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn, for your time today and sharing just a few of your insights and experiences with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You can find out more about Carolyn and today's episode by visiting the conferences and e-learning section of nakubo.org. Then click on podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Carolyn and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom software for budgeting and planning by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.